0: The number one thing that we need to be able to do is to lead projects. It is so under. Rated the ability to have foresight and vision and say this project will look like this one two three milestone check-in four five six i think we will be done and we'll badger it this way that's so underrated
1: welcome to breaking barriers building a higher ground where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics historians and business leaders With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's g-r-o-u-n-d i-o now on to the episode
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. You're joined again by your two favorite hosts. I'm Adam Moore here with Chloe Goodry-Reed, and today we're going to be welcoming Gishon Williams, the Senior Director and Head of Indirect Procurement at Floor & Decor. Gishon is a procurement and supply chain executive, industry speaker, and global commercial contracting and negotiations leader with over 20 years of progressive leadership in strategic sourcing, supply chain mapping, small business development, and talent coaching in 15 countries across the world. Welcome, Jashan, to the show. So glad to have you on here with us today.
0: Hey, Adam. Hey, Chloe. How's it going?
1: Yes, we are so excited to have you today. And thank you so much for coming on. would love first, you know, for our listeners who don't understand what Floor & Decor does... Yes. Tell us a little bit about what it is that, that Floor & Decor does and what the brand stands for.
0: I am always so surprised at people who do not know who Floor & Decor is. Um, but if you have never been into a Floor & Decor store, okay, just take about 80,000 square feet, if you can imagine what that wow. looks like. Okay, okay. Just put everything flooring, bathrooms, kitchens, flooring, wall, decor, you name it, showers, everything you can imagine to design that beautiful location of yours, that beautiful commercial building of yours, that beautiful residential home of yours, that's what we are. That's wow. what we are. And so we pride ourselves on having the largest array with the best prices.
2: Ah, oh, I love that's that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. 80,000 square feet, in my day of warehousing. That's uh that's a small space, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little small, tiny what space. A tiny, so small <laughs> it's a little showroom. It's gonna have a few knickknacks. <laughs> that's fantastic. That is fantastic.
0: Now, if you if you put it in comparison, some of our, our competitors, you know, they got 10,000, 15,000 square feet. So put that in. In comparison oh, to your, so yeah, then you guys are very impressive. significantly larger. Okay, yeah.
1: Tell us a little bit about what does someone in your role do for floor and decor? Because obviously purchasing and procurement is very different based on industries. And we'd love to hear a little bit more about what you specifically do.
0: The problem is I don't do anything. I do nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you know it was interesting. It used to be that you, you kind of had to work a little bit to understand procurement mm-hmm. and supply chain and what happens in our in our world. But with COVID, you started to hear supply chain on the news every day. Right. And so people can kind of make a connection. Yeah. Wait, PPE imports, we don't have what we need. I go to Target and there's no bathroom tissue. Okay. I know what supply chain is now. Right. And so I understand criticality. I understand. Yes. It all. Got it. Yes. yes. And, and so take the same exact premise, but look at it from the perspective of, you know, we've done great year over year, mm-hmm. uh, opening up 20% store growth. And so that means another wow. 10, 15, 20 stores. Uh and, 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 and so where we are right now is making sure that we have what we need when we need it for the best cost. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take a variety of different types of suppliers to get us there. And so ultimately our world is how do we get what we need? Mm -hmm. One, when it's available. So that's not as easy as people think. But then how do we get what we need when it's not available? Mm -hmm. How do we go into the marketplace and find new suppliers and cultivate new relationships Mm -hmm. uh, to develop some of those tougher items that we need to uh, be able to uh, to source at the end of the day? Yeah. And so ultimately getting the right products, uh, getting the right services aligned to each one of our stores at any given moment is what we do. And then everything that comes under that from a risk perspective, mm-hmm. from a cost management perspective, and from a supplier development perspective.
1: So what what do you guys do on a supplier development perspective? I mean, do you have any sort of program that kind of allows suppliers to understand better the type of purchasing and procurement opportunities that floor and decor may have?
0: You know, I, 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 I would say, Say we're we're literally just taking a very serious look at it. Uh, we have our, our role for supplier diversity and development that we joked around about earlier uh, in the in the pregame, and and so you know that that's that's not step number one, right? That's kind of step number two. What we've done before that is say, well, what does supplier diversity and development look like for us? And if you put it in perspective, we make a connection to our pro customer and we really understand our, our pro customer because most of them are small and diverse businesses themselves. Sure. And so sure. there's a direct connect, a connection to us being able to uh, make sure our supply base looks like our customer base. And, uh, and so we, we've really honed in on uh, how do we carve out our spin so we understand it and so level five taxonomy, right? Break out the projects a little bit more so we can have full control over what we're, uh, what we're sourcing and then look at where suppliers can come in and provide benefit to us. Now, the, the, this is something that's interesting that happened uh, some years back. I was at a conference and a young lady from, I won't say the name of the bank, but a, a bank. Um, she stood up, everyone was kind of talking, it was a little noisy and she stood up and said, I know we're getting ready for the session, but I'm going to break down for you right now how our bank spends money. Everyone's like, <laughs> everyone
2: just stopped talking and said, wait, this is interesting. No one tells you how they actually spend money. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, no, I think that's a very, very good point. And the, I think another point that you kind of touched on too is a lot of people don't realize in supplier diversity is that the diverse suppliers we're working with can also be our customers.
1: Absolutely. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and it's something Chloe and I have talked about many times on the show is, your supplier diversity manager needs to not just be somebody who's there to try to bring in suppliers, but they're also an advocate for yeah. your brand, for your firm, for your whatever you're selling. And they need to treat that position also as kind of a field sales, right? Absolutely. As I, you know, in the financial sector, that's an easy one. We're looking for small business clients. I'm talking to small businesses every day. So it's, it's easy. You know, it's one of those things where people don't think about it until somebody says it and like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, you're yeah, kind of talking yeah, to the, yeah. the clients we're looking for. So mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic.
0: Absolutely. We, we take for granted um, this supply chain thing. One of the, the beautiful, if you really embrace it, one of the, the beautiful things that comes out of it is economic development. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah.
0: When you, when you understand yes. The regions in which we play. We're very mm-hmm. heavy in California. We're heavy in Texas. We're heavy in Florida. Mm-hmm. And we do some damage in a lot of other other different states. Um, but when you think about the the areas in which we play, let's take hurricanes, for example. Mm-hmm. Right, One of the things that we've been very intentional in is that there's a rebuilding process when we look at hurricanes. Mm-hmm. And we look at it's small business, uh, it, it's, uh, contingency labor. And they said, hey, what can we do to get your business? What can we do to get your business? And I said, we're probably not going to throw you in and say, okay, here, voila, there you go. Right. Go ahead and resource 150 stores. Right. However, when there's a hurricane, let's take a look at what you can do to provide us with temporary resources immediately and then start mm-hmm. to build that relationship with right. us. And so we, we got to look at our, our, our makeup and how we develop suppliers in the moment uh, where we can. Right. Yeah, so economic development, right? Absolutely. Yeah,
2: and, and, it, and it comes back to the other thing we talk about on the show all the time is intentionality, right? So it, Supplier diversity, or DE&I, it, it, all the above, it's not something you give an afterthought to. It's not something that's an oh, by the way, or that's a nice thing to add on to everything else we're doing. There has to be intentionality and purpose behind it. Otherwise, it comes across that way, and everybody can see it right? Especially our small and diverse communities. They will be the first to stand up and go, yeah, no, that's just indigenous. We don't want to be part of that. So you're right. You have to be intentional. And I love that being able to find um, situations where you can start plugging in the small and diverse businesses to let them start to scale and to build. And I think that's a challenge for all businesses is to find that moment that you can sit in here and here it is. Here's this moment where we can start to scale and really start making an impact. When
0: you look at and I'm just going to be
2: real here. Yeah, right?
0: that's the show. Most organizations, <laughs> most organizations, most business unit leaders are going to say supplier diversity risk. Right. It's automatically going to be this, yes. this yes. high risk yes. attachment to right. it. Right? And, and so we got to break through that barrier and it's going to take us time to do that. Yep. But for now, let's just bite the apple one bite at a yes. time. Yep. And so we don't need to go out and, and say, hey, are you ready to do our next $10 million construction project? Maybe we need to focus on construction facilities. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's get a small job in the facility space, $50,000 mm-hmm. just to get the paperwork. Let's get you uploaded as a vendor. Right. And now you understand our system. You understand the, the folks yep. who you're working with, the stakeholders, and then we can look at what's next for you. Yep. And, and, and so sometimes we try to bite the apple too big. Now we do need to take those challenges. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want nothing more but to have more diverse GCs building our stores. Mm-hmm. And ah. we're going to work on that. Nice. We're going to work on that. But we need to also bite it—you know, small bites at a time, or we'll work on yep. the entire apple. Yeah. Yep.
1: So when you look at different types of suppliers, obviously general contractors is one. What are some other, you know, high growth areas that? Yeah. Lauren Decor is looking for suppliers to partner with.
0: That's a hard question and it's an easy question because really. <laughs> Anything that it takes to operate a store, well, then the next question would be, Well, what does it take to operate a store? Right, right, right. <laughs> That's the obvious next question. And so, when, when we break it down at, at the next level, well, we got to get the store open,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? So, we need more black businesses in the cement space, in the concrete space, uh, framing, metal framing electrical contractors, plumbing, mechanical. All right. So these are the spaces that, you know, it comes along with construction. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're done with construction, we, we now need to get it, operationally ready. And so we talk about low voltage wire for the the closed caption TV. Those things you don't think about. What about the install of our security features? Our racking is a big area for us. How do you stand up the racking? How do you install the racking? Mm -hmm. Buying the racking and installing the racking are two different things. And so, you know, you don't think about these things. You think about, I need to be able to do frame labor uh, or, or framing inside of a commercial uh, building. But what about racking inside of a commercial building? It's a huge area for us. Uh, and, and so that, that's some of the things you don't necessarily think about. You think construction, you think swinging a hammer, but you wouldn't think about th- those type of items. Then obviously we have our facilities, our janitorial, uh, our, janitorial work, our, our signage is a, a big area uh, for us. We've got a great diverse, uh, two diverse uh, vendors in our signage area, our print and reaper graphics. Uh, we're always going to have a need for print and graphics. But then I, w- I want to get creative too. What about, sh- what about shopping cart repair? Mm. Huh? Nice. Right? Yeah. So we're in a company that's doing shopping cart repair. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and So, you know, we, we, we got to think, you just walk into a floor and core store and literally walk around and say, whatever is there, get there somehow. Right. Yeah. yeah.
2: I absolutely love that because that's one of the things that love we look that. at in the, the financial vertical too. It's like we have all of these these banks and we all, we, we have a, a, a another nonprofit that the banks are members of. And we sit there and go, you know, we've all looked for the same product and there's no diverse supplier providing this product or service. Mm-hmm. And the next step that, that we're trying to work out. And, and I think you just, you were talking to this to is how do we now as an industry or as a corporate bring up a small and diverse business to fill that void, right? We've identified mm-hmm. it. There are some brilliant business minds in this community how do we marry this want that we've identified that probably only we can identify because we're in it every day? Yeah. Right. And then seed the idea with an entrepreneur and then, but then it's help grow and scale them too, right? To where the, it starts to make an impact. I think that's an exciting iteration of supplier diversity that people don't see, right? Because sometimes supplier diversity stops at reporting. Uh, yes. You know, yep. I, I was just Compliance, having this conversation yeah. with another person. Yeah you know, in some industries, supplier diversity is nothing more than a fancy term for additional spend reporting. Right. Right. And there's no actionality behind it. Doing what you were talking about is, you know, who's repairing shopping carts. That's taking to the next level. That's the full cycle supplier diversity of now I've identified a need in my industry and I'm going to build the supplier to fill it.
1: I think definitely getting out there and connecting with different suppliers and maybe some that, you know, you say, okay, they don't do exactly this, but if they do right. for me, you know, obviously we could have a conversation with them potentially about, hey, this is also a need. How do we help you, you know, get to a place where you can handle this as well? You know, is it right. financing? Is it access to capital? Is it, you know, um, some of the other training that that goes along with it. I mean, mm. just some of those things, I think companies sometimes miss only because they're just like, okay, well, this one supplier does X instead of right. potentially approaching them about doing more or expanding some of their business.
0: Well, yeah, I think this is a really mm. good point. And I sat on the uh, CBI, the Charlotte Business Inclusion Advisory uh, Committee, uh, a point about a mayor. Yeah. And one of the yeah. things that we looked at was how do we create pivot opportunities. This was before COVID, before COVID. And, and the example that I gave as we we're sitting in a beautiful room, I was like, the person mm-hmm. that is doing this subfloor could also be the person that's doing this wall. But then when you expand that out, not only do I have a specialty with drywall, because I screw drywall mm. just like a, a, a screw in uh, wood yeah. panels, but what about acoustic walls for amphitheaters? When I start to expand my service offering, is a wall system. When I start to my service offering and now I have a specialty mm-hmm. that I can go and create a vertical inside of an industry, that's where I start to grow to the next level. And I think it's, it's those suppliers that have access, right. but it's people like me on the other side of the access saying this is a need. This is a real need. It's a, a sustainable need because the last thing you want to do is make an investment and the investment wasn't right. worth it. You got to get a good return on it as a supplier in technology, people, processes, right? And so you need someone like me on the other side saying, yeah, this is a real thing. It's
2: not just a niche kind of one-off thing. This is something that's going to be needed for a while, especially in construction.
1: So you shared a little bit about you're on the Charlotte Business Inclusion Group. So- Talk to us a little bit about how like your experience, all of your professional experience and professional development has kind of molded who you are professionally and how you look at supplier diversity now.
0: That's a loaded question. (laughs)
1: Right. That's why she gets to ask it. You're in a business inclusion group. I'm sure that you were privy to lots of different things in terms of challenges. And it's like, you know, you take all of that and then you go back to work on Monday or Tuesday or the next day. And it's like, how do we now make how do I how do I clear a path? For some right. of these diverse businesses in my role, mm. mm-hmm. so I'm just yeah. I'm curious how some of your experience has affected you as a professional.
0: So, so Adam, Chloe wants me to get on her couch. I am not going to get on your couch today. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long do we have? I don't think we had much time. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but you know, for you, we can expand this. It's fine. Try. You know, yes. just uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Get
2: comfortable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, I, I will say the the one thing. Uh, Joe Cavanado, if I'm not mistaken, he's the first person I heard say it. I don't know if I can credit him with coming up with the original uh, version of this. But one of the things he said, this was years ago, man, that had have been 2006. It's like, we're we're businessmen and women first, and then we're procurement and supply chain professionals second. And I would never forget that. I would never forget that because the ability to broker a deal yeah, is really a, a missing skill set in a lot of job roles that we have today. And so so it let, is. Let, let me say this, and this is not going to be very popular. I'm going to go ahead and give you a fair warning right now. Okay, go for the it. Yes. <laughs> we're ready. We're uh, all ready. I, I did a project in the pharmaceutical industry that was $865 million. I don't remember specifically looking at where there were opportunities for small and diverse businesses when I did that.
1: And so yeah.
0: the... I went uh, about a few years later, I was speaking to the National Association of Educational Procurement Supplier Diversity Institute. Said, Ooh, that's, that's a, a long mouthful. That was a long that's a acronym. mouthful. Yep. Yes. <laughs> thank
1: you for, for yes, giving us that whole name because we would not have known what no, that acronym wait, was. No. I, I
0: just thought I can educate, <laughs> but <laughs> yes, so, so love I, it. I'm, I'm speaking. There's 105 professionals in a room. Most of them are diversity, some sourcing, some, some finance. And I said, and, and, and this this really resonated, I had to say it twice. I said, as a black man who will spend money with diverse businesses in the heartbeat because they most Mm -hmm. likely come from the community that I come from, there was not one diversity leader that could give me the business case. Nothing against our diversity team, but at at the end of the day, it is what it is. How can we, as business men and women, look at a collection of suppliers, look at our spin, understand our business units, and develop the business case. It it can't just be, hey, I think there's an opportunity here for somebody to put up a wall, right? It has to be a need. So one of the things we looked at, uh, we said, hey, in each one of our stores, beautiful design center, right? And at the same time, we're having supply chain issues getting accessories for our design center. Why don't we look at maybe Black History Month? I don't know. Don't quote me. We'll figure it out. But why don't we look at Look, the communities that we serve, bringing in women of color designers into our facility with specialty pieces. And so that that community, Mm -hmm. that store that represents that community has a little taste of home inside of that store. And we also can control the supply chain. Let's help them develop their supply chain and their manufacturing capabilities.
1: I love that. That is genius.
0: awesome.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's great. I mean I I will be looking around for um I think there's a floor and decor not that oh. far from me. I will be looking in okay. February to see some right, new supplies. Send me, me
0: the zip code. Send me the zip code. Yes.
1: Yes, I definitely will. I definitely will.
0: That
2: means I that definitely. means this this show has the air. In- in March, right? (laughs) That's right. We'll make sure that happens. Don't worry. Oh.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Of the small businesses that you've worked with, what sort of challenges do you see that they're sort of facing? Or, you know, maybe there's not always an opportunity that you have to maybe help them, but, you know, that maybe there's an overarching theme. It's like, hey, if you did X or if I could give you one piece of advice, this would be what it would be. Talk to us, share a little bit about that, because our small business community is always open to hearing feedback from procurement leaders.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes, that's that's a good question. Uh, You know, I'm always a friend of the copy and paste. Uh, Intel, I used to work for Intel some years back. And uh, at the time, we had a program called Copy Exact. So you would take a manufacturing process in Phoenix, And you would make a few tweaks for it and be able to roll that process out of Massachusetts. And then same thing. Massachusetts to Portland and in Portland to Israel, Ireland. Uh, and one of the things I, I look at small businesses take for granted, sometimes you don't want to necessarily go to the table throwing out that I work with your competitor. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe that's not the first thing you want to lead in with. Yeah. Right. But it actually is received from the buying community very favorably. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The fact that you've done something similar with someone that knows how to we get down. And so if you can come in and tell me I've done racking in the retail space, there's a much better opportunity that we're going to have a detailed conversation around how you can look at our racking. So being able to understand not only who you're dealing with on the other side of the table, but what have you done in a very similar space? Now, a lot of people will say, well, I don't have experience with a, a client like that. Okay, But then if you if you look at it and, and, and you, you, you say, well, look, have I ever been part of a facilities organization? regardless of what company it was in, because you guys have a facilities organization that does the same thing. You keep the lights on, you keep the the temperature at the right, at the right ambient uh, degree, right? And, And so being able to connect what you've done with other clients and what you've done in other jobs and the similarities to who you're talking to and what goes on in their world. Now, the biggest problem to that is we just sometimes don't understand what goes on in their world. But with, with the floor and decor is a little bit easier, right? You can walk into a
2: floor and decor store and say, okay, <laughs> Go. I, I, oh, I, I think I got this. I think I got, got this. this. Got it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I, I, no, but I think that's a great point. Yeah, I mean that's an awesome point because I often have that conversation. You know, you sit through a presentation and you don't see any other financial flags on there, right? But they've got every healthcare manufacturer system on it, right? And they're like, "Yeah, but we're not in the financial space." So I'm like, "Yeah, but you know what? You're in healthcare, which means you're in regulated industry, and that means a lot to us because we want to make sure you that it. you can work in a regulated industry, you, right? You get right? Get and that's a it. big thing.
0: Man, you get it. Yeah. He would talk about the suppliers that are in financial institutions. Yep. they say, well, if you're in a financial yep. institution, you can probably be in the insurance space. You can be in the management consulting right. space. There's a lot of similarities. Yep.
2: Yes. Also, Big time. yeah. Transportation. Big time. Transportation. All of Transportation of them. Yep.
1: Highly regulated.
2: Yeah. Yep. Very. Yep.
1: So, also, we have, you know, obviously two sides of, of our listenership. And, you know, just to, I, I know that a lot of supply chain procurement and supplier diversity professionals also listen. And, I want to really kind of understand what your thoughts are around training and making sure that... Because sometimes organizations offer training, but a lot of times they don't. And being thoughtful about your professional development. I know you've done a lot of different things. Talk to us about how training has really kind of molded you as a professional.
0: Yeah, that would be awesome. Well, you you know, it's beautiful is that one... I've always been a huge fan of whenever someone gives something away for free, you, you take it and then figure out that you really need it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so I remember in the early days at, at Intel and at me, West Baco, now West Rock, there's a training program I'm in because there's always right. something that I can get from. You know, that engagement. And so I flip it the other way. Uh, I started doing training and, you know, part of my role uh, at my last company was literally traveling the world and training professionals, which was a beautiful, a beautiful thing. But what I realized, Chloe, Mm -hmm. is that just if there's 11 people in the room, I'm learning 11 different things about uh, every topic that we cover. I'm learning oh, yeah. in some situations, eight different industries. And so that's given me a, yep. the ability to take an industry that I never worked in, but then realize a similarity. Now you may call yep. things differently in your, You may call it an addendum right. and I call it an annex. But at the end of the day, I know what both of those are. And if we're talking to a supplier. Right. I can communicate that accordingly based off an of industry yep. that we're in. And so I, I think training is an everlasting, a continuous ability to get better yes. at, at what we do. I knew that, uh, it, so this has been, this is 21 years for me. I knew coming out of school 21 years ago that I wanted direct materials experience. I want indirect materials experience. I want a little Mm -hmm. bit of finance experience. I want to understand logistics and 3PLs. And that was just what I put together for myself, uh, let alone sitting down with my leadership team and understanding what's important to them. And so I I think it's so critical, so critical. And so I'll, I'll give three different things that's extremely important for folks in our profession to bring this to a point. The number one thing that we need to be able to do is to lead projects. It is so underrated. The ability to have foresight and vision and say, this project will look like this, one, two, three, milestone check-in, four, five, six, I think we will be done and we'll measure it this way. That's so underrated. The, the second thing is financial acumen, it's mm-hmm. the ability to take what you're doing, whether it's FTE productivity, whether it's maybe quite possibly cost savings that leads to margin protection or additional margins, or if you're contributing to EBITDA some type of way, your ability to communicate that and talk the language of a CFO. And then lastly, risk mitigation. You know, we, We're looking at the worst pricing indexes. It's all across the board. Everything is up, negative, 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 red, red, red. And so if you can get it, you're paying more, for it. right? Wood is up, steel is up, wood's going back down, which is great. Uh, but we, when you look at the commodities and what's going on and how it drives, what we're paying for and what we're sourcing, our ability to truly understand risk. How do we mitigate risk inside of our agreements? And and so what what's funny is you if you ask a hundred procurement and supply chain professionals to give you the definition of identification how it links to consequential damages. Yeah. <laughs> You yes. might get 25 yes. of them that actually know this. Yes. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. I hope we're not airing this in front of a lot of people, are we? All right. So- <laughs>
2: <laughs> just a few thousand.
0: It's okay. No, yes. With us. Yes. 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 So if you don't understand EBITDA selfishly, just for your own paycheck and your bonus, understand yes. EBITDA. If you don't understand those legal terms, make sure you understand the legal terms and manage projects, your work breakdown structure, your process mapping, your PFMEAs, yeah. Yes. Business case development so important. So important to our yes. professionals.
2: I could not agree more, especially indemnification. That's a nasty. Yeah,
0: one. It goes it goes full circle back to supplier diversity, supplier okay. development and risk. Right. And and so if you can find if you know your contract and if you understand how to mitigate risk and if you can find ways to carve out the more riskier components, yes. right. And, right? And streamline okay. that project. Right. It becomes a little bit easier for your business to follow.
2: You know, Deshaun, that's so, so dead on because I was speaking at a conference and I had a supplier challenge me on this, right? And he goes, I own a a technology company and and you big banks won't give us a, won't even give us a sniff, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And I looked at him, I said, so tell me something. I was like, what's my number one asset at a bank, right? And of course, everybody wants to tell me money. I'm like, "Nope, nope, it's my data. It's one hundred percent my data. I was like, so you are asking for permission to touch basically the heart, literally the heart of my organization, yeah. right? And I was like, let me ask you another question. I was like, do you have the ability right now to buy a four hundred and fifty billion dollar asseted organization? Yeah, and he goes. No, I, I don't. I was like, and there you go. And there's, there's the risk. There's the mitigation. There's the issue. There's coming back full cycle in this whole conversation, understanding it. But then as professionals, we have to sit there and go, okay, we get it. Right. We can't open up our company to risk. We can't because we all want to stay employed and we really like being employed and unemployment's not in my five-year plan right now. So <laughs> mm-hmm. we're going to look for, obviously, we've got it and we have to be transparent. As supplier diversity professionals, we have to be transparent with our, our opportunities too. Right. Yeah. And yeah. if and if indemnification and insurance is part of those those obstacles, I got to tell you up front. But I can't just stop that. I can't say, uh, uh-huh, sorry, uh, high indemnification, high insurance. I'm gonna go talk to this other big company now. How do I then, as a champion, help my diverse suppliers mitigate that? Who do I bring in in a third party agreement? Right. Three PLs. Come on. <laughs> right. We can do this. Tier twoing subcontracting. How do we get it done? How do we scale? How do we get them the experience to be in our industry? Because if we don't give them a chance to grow in our respective industries, we're going to turn around and there's going to be nobody to service us. I I, I love it, Adam. When I was in a
0: home building industry, we went to Cheryl Williams and we said, you know what? Let's. This is not... Who can get the best paint? Let's let's work with our painters. And so we'll develop a deal with you directly. And here's a price that we're willing to pay. And here's a beautiful thing. You're going to get all of our business in this region. But this is what we want you to do. You have more storefronts than we do. Allow our contractors to walk in your storefront. Touch the paint. Fill the paint. Teach them about paint because we can't do it. We have way too many communities across Florida. It's just not possible for us to train them. And so you train them about paint. You get the beautiful sale and they're going to buy through you at our price point. But at the end of the day, they're going to walk out and be a better subcontractor for us. They're going to walk out and be a better painter for us. And and so I think it's those type of relationships. We reduce the liability. We don't have to worry about paint, right? Our deal is directly with Sherwin-Williams. We're going to hold you accountable, Sherwin-Williams. We're going to identify to a certain extent the painter. So the painter now doesn't have to worry about that. They're going to come in with their their willingness and their readiness to be able to get that paint on the wall to make it look beautiful.
2: Yeah. And, and then then the other thing you've developed is now I've developed field salespeople that I didn't even realize I had. When that painter comes in there and learns the Sharon Williams way, and they go to their next job, and the person's like, I don't know what paint I should just show you, Benjamin Moore, which Sharon Williams, I'm that's who taught me how to do it. This is who I'm loyal to, and this is who I'm going to sell you. I mean, you develop a sales force without developing a sales force. That's what kind of came back at the beginning part of our conversation of supplier diversity. If your supplier diversity shop does not see themselves as a revenue generating arm of your firm, you got The wrong people in play. Period. Agreed.
0: Uh, Agreed. Your vendors are your customers, and your customers are your vendors in in, in a lot of, lot of ways. Our ability to train uh, a pro customer, right, and make sure that they understand that that large format five by eight tile that everyone gloves let's teach you how to lay it down the right way with minimum damage right and now put you in a situation where you just expanded your vertical going back to earlier being able to pivot you know you're used to 18 by 18 tile
2: let's give you a 4 by 8 5 by 8 and see what you can do with that exactly Exactly. And now we've got a full cycle program that is developing the ecosystem that is continuing supplier. It's not just supplier diversity, but sustainability. And then we can start talking about really exciting things like economic impact in diverse and underrepresented communities. Right. I mean, now we're hitting the home run. Now we're telling the story everybody wants to hear.
0: Well, Chloe don't know what to do with that Adam. She doesn't know what to do.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, I'm just I sitting tried. back because this is just I what try. I talk about all day long. Like that's why G-Sean's just teasing me because <laughs> I'm just—he knows that it, this is just. Yeah, and and all of all our day.
2: listeners know how the relationship between Chloe and I work, so they're like, <laughs> <you> know, whatever. <laughs>
1: I mean that is the that is the mission of Higher Ground. One hundred percent is focused on the economic growth of underserved communities, and how do we do that through entrepreneurship, through training and develop, through access to opportunities. So, I mean, I at least share that and help people lead them down that path at least two times a day. So, yes, a
2: beautiful mission too.
0: It's so critical. Uh, We paid to go to university. We, okay, we graduate, and we get a job, and then we actually get paid. A lot of us get paid to enjoy life. Some of us get paid to learn. And I think that's a big difference. Those that get paid to learn, have a better propensity to turn it into generational wealth. I agree. Uh, I think that's, I totally that's where we, uh, that's where we got to get to. We got to make sure that yep. you don't only get the job, but you keep the job. And and so one of the areas that we have to do a much better job as if you want to call us buyers, right? We can't, we can't open up your books and start looking through your numbers. Okay. Right. But we got to give you a fair understanding of what competitive means. Okay. And, and, right. and not competitive at the last minute. When I say, oh, you know, the opportunity is real, just cut your prices and you're good. No, no, no. Not that competitive no. because that company's not going to make enough margins. They're going to sacrifice no. and that's going to be short term. But we got to talk about yeah, right. what does yeah. competitive mean over the course of that project and what does it mean right. in your next potential
2: project? How can you keep that competitive nature? Could not agree more.
1: I love that. So many gems that you've shared with us right, today. Right. This I mean, this is
2: going to be an episode everybody listening to us, you need to come back and listen to several times.
1: Several times. Several, several. several times. Several you. Thank you so much for coming on the show, g This
2: has been great.
1: Yes. Be sure to check us out on LinkedIn at Chloe Guidry, Reed and Adam Moore and g Williams. If you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and check out our previous episodes. Stay tuned for next time. Thank you.